Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. The human papillomavirus, or HPV, is the most common sexually transmitted infection, according to the CDC. Each year, millions of Americans will contract it. But what many of them may not realize is that a persistent HPV infection is the main cause of cervical cancer. Fortunately, not every infection will lead to cancer. In fact, Dr. Linda Eckert says that only about 12 of 150 types of the virus are considered high risk. And even then, our bodies will be able to get rid of the virus 90% of the time. We will get rid of that infection within two years. And what we test for in the follow-up is to make sure indeed that that infection goes away because it's only if it's still present that it has a chance to cause precancer at the level of the cervix and eventually cancer. Eckert is an OBGYN and professor of obstetrics and gynecology at the University of Washington. She says that while 90% sounds like great odds, some harmful habits like smoking can exacerbate the issue. The CDC estimates that more than 11,000 new cases of cervical cancer are diagnosed every year. Though it is usually a slow-growing cancer, Eckert says it's often hard to diagnose early because many women don't experience any symptoms at first. But if there are symptoms, they tend to be either abnormal bleeding, either with intercourse or unprovoked abnormal bleeding. As the cancer spreads outside the cervix, it can spread to the sides of the pelvis. And there, it can cause a lot more discomfort, either in the back or in the pelvis. Eventually, the cancer can also mess with the kidney's ability to move urine to the bladder, causing an obstruction. Some women may also get swelling in their legs. However, if it's caught early, the tumor can be surgically removed from the cervix. But if the tumor's gotten too big or has spread to the lymph nodes, patients usually undergo both radiation and chemotherapy treatments. And the radiation involves both what's called external radiation, which means that you lay on a table and they, you have radiation beams that shoot down towards your abdomen, but also internal radiation where they actually use devices that hold radiation right up against your cervix. And that's internal radiation or brachytherapy. And often surgery for cervical cancer will involve both external radiation and brachytherapy with chemotherapy. Cervical cancer is the fourth most common cancer in women around the world, totaling 342,000 deaths globally in 2020. But here's the catch. It's almost entirely preventable. Eckert's new book, Enough, Because We Can Stop Cervical Cancer, is a product of her reaching a breaking point as a physician. When you sit in a room with a patient and you tell her that she has a cancer that you know is preventable and you realize the devastation it's going to have on her and her family to go through this treatment, even if, you know, she survives it, it just fuels this rage against the injustice of this situation and thinking we have the tools, we know how to do this. Why aren't we doing this? And why is this unnecessary suffering a cancer of all things? It's an unnecessary cancer not being prevented. The why is the biggest question. 
With all of our knowledge and prevention methods, why are women still dying? Why hasn't anything been done? The HPV vaccine was first introduced to Americans in 2006. And though it's proven to be effective in preventing infections and cervical cancer, it wasn't initially accepted with open arms. You know, when it started in this country, only 17% of people took it. And it's been a really gradual, slow, uphill trend. And the HPV vaccine works great to prevent new HPV infections, but it doesn't work great to treat HPV if you've already had it. So you really need to try to get it in people when they're younger. Which is a battle in itself. Fortunately, Eckert says more and more parents are getting their kids vaccinated against HPV. But there's still a long way to go. There are only a few states that require 6th and 7th grade students to get the vaccine. And Eckert believes it has more to do with social stigmas than science. I think in this country, you know, we uh, tend to really pride ourselves on individualistic spirits more than public health. And in places where it's been tried, there's a real pushback, I think, by parents about giving a vaccine such as HPV that does protect against a cancer, but that cancer happens to be caused by a virus that is sexually transmitted. And there's a real pushback by parents of educating about HPV as well as preventing HPV in a public school or in a public fashion because they want to control the narrative. Eckert thinks this can be corrected if the parents and school boards are informed more on the risks of HPV and the merits of the vaccine. But even without getting vaccinated, there are other prevention methods that can save a woman's life. A pap smear is a procedure that collects cells from a woman's cervix to test for cervical cancer. But it can also detect precancerous cells, which are abnormal cells that line the cervix but haven't yet invaded the tissue. They still stay in the lining of the cervix and they haven't started to take over the normal cells. And so cancer is really an uncontrolled growth of abnormal cells that eventually take over and compromise the normal tissue. And cervical cancer is unique in the sense that, well, not completely unique, but what enables us to screen for it so well is that phase where you go from HPV infection to precancer can take many years. And then from precancer to cancer can take again many years. And so we actually have like a 10 to 15 year window in there where we can detect abnormalities before they become cancer. It doesn't always behave this slowly, but that's why getting a pap smear every three years, as recommended by the American College of Obstetrics and Gynecology, is so important. It gives doctors a chance to catch any abnormalities before they turn into cancer. But just like so many other aspects of healthcare, this isn't always an easy and simple process. Even if you get that screening, if it's abnormal, you either have to be able to get follow-up, and then you might need some treatment for pre-cancer. And in our country, where we have this crazy mix of public and private insurance, a lot of times screening will be paid for. But if you need evaluation of an abnormal test, such as a biopsy, or if you need treatment of a pre-cancer and you happen to be low income, that is not necessarily paid for. So there's an access issue and there's financial issues to treating pre-cancer before it becomes cancer. And then once you get cancer, that treatment is provided most places in our country. But again, if you go into remission and you're no longer labeled as having cancer, 
then you might lose the emergency insurance that you would have qualified for. Which means that your follow-up appointments for CT scans and evaluations may no longer be covered. A 2021 study published in Gynecological Oncology reports that in 2015, 14 million women in the U.S. had not been screened in the past three years. Screening was particularly low for uninsured women and immigrants. That means that millions of women have no idea if they've been infected with HPV or whether it's become cancerous. Sadly, Eckert says this is a systemic issue that she believes is unique to women. You know, I am a gynecologist, so I have a biased point of view. But yes, for me, for instance, getting estrogen paid for, especially like vaginal estrogen, for instance, once you've had radiation treatment or once you're postmenopause, it's very useful to have estrogen given to you for your vagina to help the tissues stay healthy. And insurance companies regulate extensively which type of estrogen they'll pay for. Often it's quite expensive for a person to get estrogen. We find ourselves as gynecologists frequently writing letters to insurance companies advocating for that. But if you look at the coverage, for instance, for substances for erectile dysfunction, it is quite liberal. And if you look at how much the VA spends, for instance, in their health system, that's largely male on erectile dysfunction, it's staggering. In 2014, active duty personnel, veterans, and eligible family members filled more than 1 million prescriptions for erectile dysfunction medications, according to the Defense Health Agency. This cost the Department of Defense more than $84 million. In just five years, the military spent almost $300 million on these drugs. Eckert believes this example, and many others, brings an uncomfortable question to light. What is a woman worth? If you can spend money for screening and you can spend money for pre-cancer treatment and you can prevent a cancer, you can save a lot of money to society just in dollars and cents alone. Then if you add in the unpaid labor of women, and there was an analysis by, I think, 2020, that by Oxfam that showed that the unpaid labor of women, and this was globally, but if you look at the child care, the care of elders, their service on boards, et cetera, together that amounts to over three times the entire tech industry per year. So the unpaid labor of women is immense value to our society and our cultures. And so if you look at the cost effectiveness of preventing a preventable cancer, you cannot argue that from a dollar and cents wise, this doesn't make sense. So if it financially makes sense, why isn't the HPV vaccine mandated in all 50 states? Why isn't treatment for pre-cancer available for every woman? If this were a cancer that hit men and we had a vaccine to prevent it for the last 17 years and we had screening and treatment to prevent it, would indeed it still be happening at a rate of killing a woman every two minutes? It's no secret that medicine, science, and society has favored men throughout history. And regardless of inequalities and discrimination, one thing we can fix right now is the deaths of thousands of women from a preventable cancer. Eckert's book, Enough, is available now wherever books are sold. You can find more information about Dr. Linda Eckert and all of our guests on our website, radiohealthjournal.org. Our writer-producer is Kristen Farah. Our executive producer is Amara Zaveri. I'm Elizabeth Westfield.
Hey, it's your girl, Lonnie Love, and this segment is brought to you by Metamucil. Are you ready to take charge of your digestive health? I know I am. That's why I'm teaming up with Metamucil for the two-week challenge. Metamucil's 4-in-1 fiber helps promote regularity. Unlike many fibers, Metamucil's psyllium fiber gels to trap and remove waste from your digestive system, helping you feel lighter and more energetic after just two weeks. Try the Metamucil two-week challenge today. Learn more at metamucil.com. These statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. This product is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. I'm Greg Johnson, host of Radio Health Journal. If you enjoy listening to Radio Health Journal, you'll also like our sister show, Viewpoints, which covers a wide array of topics from education to history to the environment. Here's a preview of what they're covering this week on Viewpoints. So I had a case that lasted over 10 years, and then there were appeals, and it just went on and on and on. This person was part of my life for 10 years. I happened to like her a lot, so it was okay, but yeah, it was awful. We speak with a prominent divorce attorney about the biggest misconceptions, clashes, and more. Then... If trauma doesn't come then, if that kind of injury to us doesn't come during young adulthood and midlife, it will definitely come if we're lucky enough to grow old. Trauma, just another part of life. I'm Marty Peterson. And I'm Gary Price. These stories in depth this week on your public affairs magazine, Viewpoints. Thank you for joining us this week and every week as we break down the science stories you need to know. You can find all of our past segments and guests on our website, radiohealthjournal.org, or wherever you listen to podcasts. Follow us on Instagram, Facebook, and X for daily content. And tune in next week for another edition of Radio Health Journal.